Welcome to the Baseball America podcast. Baseball America, bringing you baseball news you can't get anywhere else for more than 35 years. Now it's time to talk baseball. Welcome everyone to a Baseball America podcast. Along with J.J. Cooper, I'm John Manuel. I want to thank you for tuning in. All of our podcasts and Facebook Live broadcasts are sponsored by Baseballism, the official off-the-field brand of baseball. Baseballism offers apparel for men, women, and kids. Shop now at Baseballism.com and enter the offer code BASHIP to receive free shipping on your order. Visit Baseballism.com to shop for hats, shirts, and more today. As a matter of fact, I saw some of the photos on the Baseballism Instagram feed, and they're building the new uh, store that's going to be right on the renovated Wrigley Field, uh, I believe, opening in 2018. And there's still a chance of a new banner flying at Wrigley Field for 2018. We know there's a W flying right now at Wrigley. So. And, and that's after last night's, uh, again, I will use Susan Powder. I will invoke Susan Powder again. Stop the insanity of this postseason. I had to look that up. I did vaguely once I said that, but it was not going to come to me in any way easy. Oh, that's fine. Uh, I'm bringing her back into vogue single-handedly, JJ, because that was an insane first round of the playoffs of Major League Baseball's postseason capped by a four-hour, 37-minute glorious absurdity of a Major League Baseball game that the Cubs won 9-8. Absurdity is, I think, a very good term for it. Because that wasn't pretty, but that game, I mean, I think a lot of people have written this, but it just captured the excruciating nature of Major League Baseball's current postseason when the teams are close and when they're evenly matched and it, the pressure, the crucible, does not always produce pretty baseball, J.J. When it does produce pretty baseball, then it's just exquisite. Because then you to really see some people playing pretty baseball in that pressure. But that pressure, the game is hard. That was not a stylistic game. That was not a stylish game last night. That pressure makes the game harder. And I did a radio show yesterday, J.J., where I said, look, I don't know if Max Scherzer is going to start. I know Max Scherzer is going to help decide this game. Well, we helped decide it all right. And um, for the Washington Nationals, J.J., for the Cubs, they move on. You, you know, Mark Gonzalez in the Chicago Tribune writing about uh, hugs and, the, and champagne and cigar smoke in the clubhouse. And, you know, uh, the Cubs won a World Series last year. But, yeah, you have to savor every postseason victory, I think, because they're so hard to come by. And the oh. Cubs celebrated last night like they won something important. And for the Nationals, J.J., that was the worst reason ever to keep the Metro open late in D.C. Because that was just uh, D.C. sports sadness to the 100th power. They, the thing about the Nationals, and the Nationals, as if you are listening to this, I'm not telling you anything when I tell you that the Nationals' playoff history is... Checkered. Horrendous. But the other part about that, though, is, is this isn't the twin struggles with their playoff history where it's like loss after loss after loss after loss. They get there, and then they've struggled when they get there. This is they losing also, game twi- five. The, the Twins also have two World Series to, to fall no, no, back no, no, on no, to the older right, guys. Right. But this is losing game fives. This is losing three of these four LDS losses since 2012 have involved a game five. That's They don't get swept. They draw out, unfortunately, for Nationals fans, the Nationals fans' pain. And then they lose games where how many, obviously in every baseball game, there's a thousand things you can point to. But in that game, there's literally like just like five plays that you can point to 
that are fluke things happening, and if one of them doesn't happen, the Nationals could win that game. If Jason Worth yeah. can catch a line drive, the Nationals could win that game. If a strikeout that where the bat, Javier Baez's bat hits Matt Weeters in the follow-through and nothing's called on it, right. it's just called, whoa, 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 catcher's interference, strike, you're out. The Nationals could win that game. Yeah, if Jose Lobaton doesn't get back-picked by back Wilson Contreras. Where he actually gets back, but it's... And I, I mean, again, I don't. I like replay. Yeah, no, we're going to discuss all those things. But that is the worst example of replay. It is. That is not. Let's just get right into replay, because that's not why they lost the game. The Nationals didn't it just control was a the controlling factor. But, but the, the the controllables, the Nationals did not control. Uh, Neither they, did the Cubs. They got lucky too. But they could no. But yeah, but they controlled more of them. Yeah. They made more big yeah. plays. They yep. played better defense. And you know, when Wade Davis was on the ropes in the eighth inning, he rolled the double play grounder. For the first two outs. And then everyone in the world knows, even if you go back and read your old BA prospect handbook from like three years ago, where Wilson Contreras was the number two prospect, and it said, this guy is so hyper and loves to throw behind runners. He loves to show off his arm. That was actually a detriment earlier in his career when he wasn't hitting, was that he was too hyper, too amped. He's, you know, he's controlled it a lot better now um, and become one of the best catchers in baseball. But Jose Lobaton and Dusty Baker and the whole Nationals coaching staff, I'm sure, had gone over this. Hey, he he backpicks. But Lobaton gets back, but then the foot comes off. Because it's Jose Lobaton. This is not like, ooh, let me get a little extra league because I might be, you know. But see, though, you have to get an aggressive. So a lot of people on Twitter, don't give him this credit. You have to get an aggressive secondary lead. You're the winning run, potentially. You are the go-ahead run. That is true. So you got to get an aggressive secondary lead. But you have to know who the catcher is. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, he did get back. Mm-hmm. Oh, he did. It <laughs> so, was not, he, was, he was within his range. So everyone's blaming Jose Lobaton, which I understand to an extent, but except for the he fact did that nothing, he did get back. Right. The, the thing about it is, is he did nothing. Like There's nothing, literally, when you say that everything ties back to the first day of spring training, there is no part of that drill when they're drilling and they're I'll, going I'll, over I'll, where it's like, sometimes you're, but you're, you try, you work I'll on it. I'll throw one caveat. This is where sliding headfirst is actually better. Mm-hmm. So often, you where sliding headfirst is not better, see Trout, comma Mike. You know, but in this case, you don't bounce off the bag when you slide in headfirst. You don't. And the bags, the bases, and this is the this is the adjustment. Game baseball is a game of adjustments. JJ, <laughs> this is true for Major League Baseball, which has made no adjustment to. We have replay. In this replay, if your foot comes off the bag for a split second and they hold the tag on there, we're suddenly always going to call that an out now. Whereas before, without replay, they pretty much say, ah, whatever, close enough. You know, neighborhood play, etc. But the bases are, like, basically cast in cement. Right. I mean, they are immovable. Yes. This There's is no not, give. This is not a bag. This is not a a a pillowish bag that yeah, you just this slide is not into. The natural, it, yeah. You know. Or you're, duh, step, duh, that's duh, right. duh, or you're stepping on the base and there's a big cloud of dust because it literally was a pillow. These are like concrete uh, bags, basically. The bag's not made out of concrete, but they're in concrete, it feels like. I mean, everyone talks about how stiff they are. There's no give. And those bags are slick. And that, uh, so there's been no adjustment to the bases. So you have to slide head first, I think. I mean, you have to, if that's the play that should be taught when you dive back into a bag like that. You have to go in head first because that's the best way to make sure that you don't come off the back. You're more dexterous should, with your hands than your feet. 
And again, I understand. It's called dexterity. I understand the logic of. It's difficult to word this because you have to work. We. You aren't saying, well, you don't want to make judgment calls where basically it becomes arbitrary and an umpire has to determine whether that was incidental movement off of the back. But really, when it comes down to it, that's what we need is if the runner, if the player tags the bag and does not come off the bag, if you overshoot the bag, absolutely, that's... That's something that but we've been able to see. they called that anyway. Right, we've been able to see that since the beginning of time. And if you tell me, though, that he missed it, that you slid past the bag, your hand came off, and then you had to drag it back over, like, you know, that kind of play, absolutely you're out. But we've seen this. Terrence Gore, I think the only time Terrence Gore has been thrown out, you know, in a playoff series, Terrence Gore, same thing. It was, he, he had the bag made, slid into third base. Right. The foot comes off the... This is one of these things that happens, and... It's not the intent of the rule. Has uh, here's a, just a simple question: Has instant replay improved Major League Baseball? And see, I think overall it has. But really, I, I think do. it's much worse. <laughs> I think it's much worse. It kills the flow of games. It does not help pace of play. And I don't think there's I don't think there's any agreeable. I, I don't. I, there's still so much subjectivity to umpiring that I, I you know it's not like it's eliminated that in any way. So, especially with strike zones, and we're not ready for robot umps. They don't have the technology. So, for me, replay makes the game worse, not better. It, it has not produced any agreeable, any uh, discernible improvement to me. I don't feel like the game is in a better place because of instant replay. So, and, but I don't think that's why the Nationals lost the game. Right. Uh, that was I, just a part. Yes. It was just a small part of it. Uh, JJ, the Jason Worth. Let's 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 talk legacies. For the Washington Nationals. When Jason Wirth became a member of the Washington Nationals, they stunk on toast. They were terrible. Um, it was a laughable franchise. And I'm sitting here looking at their uh, all-time uh, war list you know, on B-Ref for the franchise. And I'm a little bit surprised, but Jason Wirth is not on this. On their top 24. For in their franchise, like just what they've done in a Nats slash Expos uniform, Gio Gonzalez wearing some goat horns. Second time in the playoffs where he started a game five and been black jack shellac. But, but let me ask you. He's below Jordan Zimmerman. He's below Anthony Rendon in a Nats uniform. That surprises me. I, 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 I bet you if you look at his defensive war on that, that's going to... Uh... Yeah, that's not that's going be a good to score. that's going to be the uh, the reason behind that. And you know, we we know that defensive war is more subjective than uh, than offensive war. But at the same time, these last this, this series has been an argument for yes, Jason Worth provides you offense that gives you you know when he's hitting he helps you when he's when he's in the field he hurts you. See, B ref and, and and war and these statistics like that can be very cold. Like in 2013 and 14, Jason Worth was a 4.7 and 4.1 WAR player. So he got MVP votes in those mm-hmm. years. He was ages 34 and 35. Those were good years. His what's what do you think his, his BREF WAR is, JJ, over the course of the seven-year, 122 million dollar contract that he signed? Take a take a guess. Your JJ, I'm gonna warn you guys. We do this a lot. JJ's really good at this game. 14.8. Oh, no. No? No, it's not, because he has two negative war years in there. 
His war for, uh, again, this is just baseball reference, wins above replacement, 8.9. Wow. Over the course of a because seven year. defensive. Yes, it's not just the defense, but it's a negative defensive value every single year. In, uh, and again, like in the reality of this is that a couple of negative offensive years. And did, this year. Jason Wirth did not lose any game by himself for the Nationals, but there were two games in this series where Jason Wirth's defensive liabilities. And let's stop for a second. If you told us going into this series that a left fielder who can hit was going to have defensive problems. Hey, well, no, we did see that. It was Kyle Schwarber just dropped the routine fly right. ball. So right. left, left field play in this game. I mean, like, this is why, for me, uh, people talk about first base being the lowest spot on the defensive spectrum, but it's clearly not. I mean, like, I think if, I think if fans think of it that way, you're thinking about it wrong. Left field, the only thing you have to be able to do in left field better than at first base is run. That's it. Because outfielders run. And... And if Anthony Rizzo were not an asset at first base, that's where Kyle Schwarber would be because he doesn't run a lot. But they have Anthony Rizzo, who's an asset. But uh, I, I just w- th- those two players, Jason Worth and Kyle Schwarber, that is some sub-profile left field play <laughs> in this series. And when you're taking called third strikes like Jason Worth does, and you aren't hitting, then those defensive foibles are exposed. So. There's been a lot of emotion, it sounds like, the last couple weeks at D.C., like on the last day of the season. Jason Worth got the lineup card. He spent seven years there. He's had a lot of influence in that clubhouse. But, man, that was a brutal way to go out for a veteran like that. Striking out in his last at-bat in the bottom of the ninth inning and that really huge error in left field. So his, I think his legacy in D.C., we don't think about him that way as a legacy player, but they do in Washington. And 8.9 war over the course of his career in Washington. Over seven years at $122 million. I still bet that Mike Rizzo would say that he would go back and do that contract again. But that's a, that is a, uh, I, don't, I just hearken back to the uh, uh, famous words by the bard, uh, send dog and be real of Cypress Hill. We ain't going out like that, JJ, but no, he. He probably would think that he wasn't going out like that, but he went out like that. No, and the, the reality of it is is that, okay, now let's get into the pitching a little bit. You, you mentioned <laughs> yes. Gio. You mentioned Gio, and and I, I think we have Kyle Glazer is going to be joining us shortly, which is cool, because I know that yes. Kyle's going to be fired up about this as well. But uh, you, start with Gio. Yes. Gio Gonzalez, for his career, this is the... The problem that he runs into. And this was the best year of his career, right? This this season was his best season, correct? Yeah, I think, yeah. I, think. I mean, 200 innings, 108 strikeouts. He's like a he's six really good. player. Yeah. He's really good. I mean, this is not where he's you He's had say, a very good career. This is not where we're saying Gio Gonzalez disappointment in any way. Right. But we are saying the reality of it is is that... His, the re, the his reality playoff is, record is checkered. The reality of it is is that... With Gio Gonzalez, and in this game, what was fascinating for Game Five is is both starting pitchers. I, I saw someone tweeted it out, and it did have a little bit of a feel like with it being a Game Five, and how every game in this seemed like every game in these LDSs have been treated from the standpoint of, uh, you know, from from the standpoint of, hey, every out matters. We're going to have a guy up in the pen when the guy when the starter, you know, in, in inning one, and in this game, neither Hendricks nor Gonzalez. Had it. I mean, neither of them had it. 
And it was something where... But J.J. Kyle Hendricks didn't have it and was left in there to figure it out and mm -hmm. put up two zeros after that four-run second. He did. And pretty much every other manager in this postseason would have yanked him. And Joe Madden didn't, and he was rewarded for it. I took mm -hmm. him out after, what, four innings. But not, not until Kyle Hendricks put up two big zeros afterwards. And in the postseason, really, four innings is almost a quality start yes. in any way. <laughs> but... Um, that was a difference. He put up some zeros and he held the game there. And Gio Gonzalez couldn't do that after he had a lead, thanks to Michael A. Tater, as my son texted me. I guess somebody had a sign up in the ballpark, but um, I was at a different event and uh, my son was texting me during the first couple of innings and uh, he was very excited about Michael A. Tater. And I think he was very, he thought he was being very clever with Michael A. Tater. You know, says Kyle Glazer joined the podcast. Yeah, no, I mean, he obviously is, was the star of this series for the Nationals. And I think a guy that Nationals fans uh, are one of the few Nats that fans are going to be looking fondly at here these next few days. I think the biggest thing for me. We're talking, I, we're talking some legacy. So we're talking yeah, Jason yeah. Worth legacy, Gio yeah. Gonzalez legacy. You know, it's, it's interesting. You talk about the legacy of those guys. Matt Weider's legacy to me. Uh, took a little bit of a hit last night. You know, this is a guy who obviously had, you know, a tremendous amount of hype around him as an amateur. Even if some of that wasn't met, he still has had a long, productive, good major league career. And, you and know, a brutal year this year. Right. The, you know, brutal year. But what happened last night for him, I think, was just look, there's no easy way to say it. It was horrendous. Even before that fourth inning, Gio Gonzalez's wild pitch that allowed Wilson Contreras to score, the glove was not where it needed to be. He tried to pick it rather than getting low and go after it. I mean, to me, that wild pitch on that run to score, yes, it's a wild pitch. Matt Wieters did not do what he's supposed Look. to do, a fundamental catching thing in that situation. And then the fourth inning happens, and it all came apart. You talk about catchers helping their pitchers out, setting the tone for them, guiding them through rough spots. And Matt Wieters through just, I mean, there's poor body positioning, improper glove work, I mean, basic fundamental things to catching on top of poor decision-making with his throws, and then the catcher's interference. Right. I mean, it was just... He had a disastrous inning. Almost as disastrous as Max Scherzer. But, but, I, but I'd say it was a disastrous game. Even before that inning, it was not... There was a lot going wrong with him, and I don't know if it was focus. It's possible he was hurt, and it was not... You know, it's been a long season. He's worn down. I don't know, but, but he was not in it, and I think it does hurt. People are going to remember this about him, and it's tough. Let me ask with that. One thing is, is we talk about the idea of the tall catcher and you know Joe Maurer and Matt Weeders and all have shown that the tall catcher one thing with that I do wonder and I'm not saying this is not scientific it is a supposition you know with Maurer we obviously know the concussions is what ended for him but I do wonder if a catching is an agility based mm -hmm. you know position and I do wonder you're right some of it was just flat mechanics yesterday but I do also wonder with it is is that something that means a is that a reason that a big catcher like Weeders, who when he was coming up, the defensive reputation was, you know, was he was considered like a potential perennial gold glove caliber defender. He's not lived up to that. He's been solid generally. He won two gold gloves. Well, two gold, but is it possible that the the end of the the decline phase for Matt Weeders catcher is happening quicker than the decline phase for a smaller, you know, 
more traditionally statured catcher. Maybe. I mean, he's 31 years old. Yeah. I, I, I mean, think of it more of an age thing. I mean, the, the, the Yadi Molina's the world who can keep doing it to 37. Those are the exception. A lot of catchers wear down as age and just the natural you know, injuries plus yeah, we just had two, a little heavier. Yeah, I mean, two really significantly injury-plagued mm-hmm. seasons with the, with the Orioles. Um, then bounced back last year, played the whole year, didn't hit. But he hit a lot worse this year. I mean, oh, I, he's, that, he's lost the twitch. But his hype actually uh, stemmed a lot more from his minor league season. He was a very highly regarded amateur, but, I mean, it wasn't like he was, like, so far ahead of everybody in his draft class. But he was highly regarded. You know, t- he, maybe it's something about Goose Creek High School in, in Charleston. He and Justin Smoke both uh, went to high school there, and uh, both of them have never quite – been as good as they were supposed to Although be. Although Justice looks like, this year was my best. He yeah. had one great year this year, uh, and then so, look which, is, which is great for him. But, you know, uh, to me, like, that inning was two outs, nobody on. Um, and you had a little, even one of the plays, J.J., the ground ball, the first infield single that started for the Cubs, that was a play where it almost like, okay, that's probably where A.J. Preller and the Padres brass are saying, we told you Trey Turner didn't have the arm for shortstop. He makes a great play ranging to his left, gets up, and the throw had but not also, much on I it. I also feel like I think that's an inside. Yeah. I think that's an infield hit for ninety percent of shortstops. Yeah. But there's pro- there's probably something like that's just the kind of thing I think where if you're one of the guys who traded Trey Turner, you're thinking good. You know, would, that, that's that's what we didn't. That's the play we thought he couldn't make. And it just started to trickle out from there. Everything just unraveled for the Nationals, and yet they still came back. So that's the thing is like I saw you know people talk about the Nationals choked. Not How can you say they choked when they were down eight four and came back to get so, within so, nine eight? So in here to me they is and, and here to no I agree I think choke is the wrong word. For me the signature thing and I even when it happened I, I mentioned it right away and to me you know I was like all right let me sleep on this so I don't say something ridiculous and incredulous that I regret the next day but I, I woke up and right? still feel this way. Jose Lobaton, that is the single most inexcusable mistake I have. I can remember so in a we postseason game. We completely game. disagree with you. We completely I, disagree with you. It is, he beat the throw. You know, but and he, he slid f- f- feet first into first base, which I said which is, is a mistake. That's a huge mistake. Yeah, and but, not he, that, but he beat the but, throw. But here's the other part of it. You know that Wilson Contreras loves to backpick. You and need he to beat make the throw, and he beat the backpick, Kyle. And he also came off the bag because he, he beat the backpick. But here's the thing: he shouldn't have even been in position where he needed to slide. He's, he's the two go feet ahead off run. The back. He's the go ahead run. He's a catcher. in the bottom of the eighth. It doesn't matter. He's running. He's the bottom of the eighth. He's yes, the go ahead run. You have to get an aggressive lead. You have to get an aggressive secondary. And then he got back. So but, you're just wrong. But with two outs and the, this tying run on second, with two outs, you, you are the go ahead run. Yes, no, I know. But with you the tie, but with the tying run on second, you have to be smarter than that. You have to know. He that was. He got back. Was, he was smarter. Sliding feet first and it being in a position that again, was his mistake. That is a huge mistake. It's that, a that, okay, mistake. but but in in the history of baseball. Of 150 years, basically, in the first 147 of those years, he'd have been safe. So that's hard to beat out of somebody, isn't it? That's a hard habit. Jose Lobaton, what is he, 29 years old? He's been playing the game professionally probably for 13 years. You're going to beat that habit out of him? I think you're asking too much. I think you're forgetting how hard the game is. And he beat the stinking throw. The habit so is I, people slide uh, that's first a back mis- first base. That's the habit. This is correct. So that is the mistake he made. But he beat the throw. He beat the tag. So I don't see how all the blame could be heaped on him. And you want to single out one mistake from last night? I'm singling out Jason Worth. Play left field. You're, I don't care how old you are. If you're in the game, play left field. Catch the ball. And he didn't catch the ball. But Lobatone's mistake, 
I mean, he got picked off, but to me, like, even, again, he slid in feet first. I've, we, we've talked about this already. That's why I went off. But that is, in, in a pantheon of postseason mistakes, it's, that, that one's me, not me, a big one for me. To me, that, to me, that's too big of a mental mistake. And I agree, Worth misplay was huge. But he beat the throw. Mistake, the mistake by Worth, he had a play to make, and he didn't make it. Lobatone, sometimes results matter more than process. His result was that he beat the throw. Coming off the bag, I'm not sure how much of that is the fault of his process as it is Major League Baseball's replay process and the way the bases are set and they don't give. And there's been no adjustment by Major League Baseball on, oh, players come off the bag for a split second and we're going to call them out even though these bases have no give in them. See, it's interesting. I think for me, and I, I just based on I think I'm more of a guy where I'm more – I don't want to say willing to excuse the physical mistakes over sometimes the mental. And How's for, that a mental mistake? Because I, I hear what you're saying, but you've got to be, you know that catcher loves to back pick. You have to take that into account. Yes, there's going to be aggressive did, leads. So he beat the back pick, Kyle. He shouldn't have been in a position where he needed to lay out for it. He absolutely has to be because that's how you're you taught to run the bases. No, you can be you're not taught to run conservatively in that situation. Two outs, and you're the go-ahead run. You are not taught to be a puss and to not get an aggressive lead. Oh, there's not nothing about so aggressive lead. So how are you going to You have to be more attempt. You have to be willing he to get back. Was, uh, once he you beat take the your, throw. Okay, once you take I am, I am, I am, I am, I am I'm decreeing we move on because all right. you all just do not agree and we're going to just keep repeating it <laughs> yeah. over and over. Fair so enough. let's, no one, um, neither of you all is going to go, okay, I agree now. I will say at the end of the day, though, you know, with the Nats, it's tough because, and I think we've done this, so many different moments where plays weren't made and it just spiraled and I think it's you know we talked a little bit about the Indians last night you they didn't make enough plays and the postseason is going to come down to a lot of times who makes the fewest mistakes and while the Cubs by no means played a beautiful squeaky clean game the Nats made more and that to me is the difference over the and you're right they came back and it was great and it was you know Michael A. Taylor with another big hit late um, but it's it's hard to win any game, but especially a playoff game against a, a world championship caliber team like the Cubs, making as many mistakes as they did throughout the course of the game. I, I think it's very easy to, to me, the guys who wear the goat horns for the Nationals are the guys who are their stars. Gio Gonzalez, Max Scherzer, Jason Wirth. Those are the guys. That, that's the other reason I defend Louboutin. I think it's very easy to hang it on the backup catcher but that's just not the case. Max Scherzer, hamstring or not, that game, he, he, that's what he is paid to do. He is paid to be the man when they need him to be the man. And Chris Sale came in for the, uh, in relief for the Red Sox, and he was the man for four innings. And then John Farrell asked him to do it for five for whatever reason. And so he failed when asked to do a little bit more. But Justin Verlander came in, gave up the home run to Ben Benintendi, but stuck with it, got crucial outs, Astros won a game. John Lester, game four for the Cubs. Cubs didn't even win that game, but John Lester went to the post for his team. Max Scherzer, all this, uh, uh, everything for that franchise, all their disappointment on his shoulders and his hamstring. I know he wasn't helped by his catcher, but bottom line is he couldn't make a pitch when he needed to. I think he'd have reasons. But to me, the Nationals lost because their stars didn't come through, not because their backup catcher got banged by replay. And to me, the other thing with this is, is that you, you just look at it and you say, the other part of it is, is it was a crazy game. Like, it was a crazy I, game. Where I see this again, you mentioned John Farrell. I do feel like more and more, I don't know if there's a worse job in sports right now than being a Major League Baseball manager from the standpoint that 
it is a, a game that the pace is such. For one, the decisions you make, like when we compare it to other sports, I know that there is stuff, there is underlying things that they know that the casual fan watching is not going to know. But one of the things that makes baseball great is, is if you're watching a basketball game, the average fan is not sitting there screaming, why aren't you switching to a zone? You're getting, you know, why, why are you still in man? That's not something the, ca the casual fan generally is watching it and going, what the decisions that they're making are over my head. Hmm. I don't know what's going on. In the, when you're watching the NFL, the average fan is not going, how are they staying in cover three here? That was a terrible situation to be in cover three. The decisions that they make are so far over the head of the fan. And in baseball, the decisions aren't. It's things that are great to debate. And it's one of the things that makes baseball great. But you're sitting here and everyone's going, why isn't Scherzer in this game? Or why is Matt Albers in this game? Or why aren't they pinch hit? And these are things that if you're a fan, you can understand. And the reality of it is, is that in every game, every manager is going to make decisions that work out and they're going to make other decisions that don't. And so I look, made a few I look at that game last night and it really is. It's like, and I look at this division series overall and it's like, you're right, John Farrell, I mean, we were both saying at the time, like, why is Chris Sale, you've gotten more than you could have hoped for out of him. Right. But at the same time, it does strike me. It's like the best a manager can do in 2017 is essentially your team wins and your mistakes are forgiven. See, I, I think yeah. that actually what we've seen, there have been rewards for managers going bold, but there have also been more mistakes when they try to go bold. And we've also, so there are really two teams in my mind that have kind of that tried to kind of stay the course, the Dodgers and the Nationals. But like Dusty Baker kind of played it straight with the exception of Scherzer. So bringing in Scherzer last night didn't work because Matt Albers pitched great. Sean Doolittle, Ryan Madsen. Those guys have been fine in the postseason. Um, a lot of Brandon Kinsler. We saw quite a we saw a decent amount of Brandon Kinsler in this series, and uh, and bringing maybe, in maybe a little there. bit too much Sammy Solis. Yes, but not. I don't think we saw him. Did we see him last night? Oh yeah, so he, was, he was in there briefly. Yeah. Uh, he it must have been brief. I missed him. First two batters he faced reached, if I remember correctly. Well, that, 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 that's Sammy Solis in this series. But, uh, but, 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 but my, his other option was Ali Perez. But when you say that the Dodgers, but when you say that the Dodgers have played it straight, I also say we don't even know that the Dodgers have yet to be in any kind of situation that stressed them to where, which is where all these crazy decisions, you know, and, and playing it different has kind of come from. A sweep makes it easier. It does, but I mean, like that's I think that's one of the reasons why they swept. They played well, but they also didn't ask anyone to do anything crazy. Maybe they didn't have to, but they didn't ask anybody to do anything crazy. But, like, I thought, actually, for the most part, Dusty, you know, you have Wade Davis on the ropes. You have a couple runners on. You're down two runs. I'm Okay, now's the time. They have Wade Davis in. They're not taking him out. I'm going to have the platoon advantage. Here comes Adam Lind, who's two for two, pinch hitting, and jumps on the first pitch and four six three. I mean, like, what is Dusty supposed to do? I don't know. I, so I don't think Dusty lost no, that no, series. No, I'm not saying he did, but I, not, I, I know yeah. you're not saying he did. To me, like you said, the managers can't win, but especially they can't win when the stars fail. And to me, that's what happened to the Nationals. It wasn't choking. It wasn't, and the Cubs get it, were a little bit better. Um, I don't even think it was bad luck. I, do, I don't think replay screwed them, although I don't think it helped them either. But ultimately, their stars didn't come through. And in, in the postseason, everybody's a little gassed. You know, everybody's tired. Everybody's a little hurt. Their stars didn't come through. And ultimately, in the last at bat, it's Bryce Harper striking out. Um, you know, when he had a moment, a chance to create another moment. And but Hunter Strickland was out on that mound. It was uh, Wade <laughs> Davis 
with uh, that, was, that was a pretty filthy pitch Cohen. to finish him off. I mean, like, I mean, basically, pitch. Twitter was all like, "Davis is gas. Davis is on fumes." The 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 batter outs uh, six, seven, and eight, or five, six, and seven, came a lot easier. And by than the, the way, ones. and by the way, let's also just say again when you talk about heroic performances, if you're talking about heroic performances in that game last night, handing it over to Wade Davis and saying you're going to get a bushel of outs tonight. Yeah. You're okay. all we've got well, left. The thing is, and, like, and really, and you're yeah, like, look, look around. Jose Quintana's already come through that door. There, you're, you're it. How about Carl Edwards Jr.? He appeared in every game, <laughs> yep. and just like he was like, it's like he was working for Kingsford. I mean, he, he was just lighter fluid every time. It was unbelievable. I mean, I love Carl Edwards Jr., but um, you know, I just don't. I mean, I, kudos I was, to Joe Madden for like he's good enough. He's smart enough and doggone it, I like it. I and mean, he kept on using it. But the thing about it is, is I almost feel like that they could leave Carl Edwards Jr. off of the LCS roster, not and tell him, Carl, if you make the World Series, you're back on. Yeah, but we just need to give you a, bl- a break because we've been like, we've been using you every game. Yeah, the Nationals, uh, I mean, the, the Cubs bullpen is certainly an area of concern for them going into the next round. I think their um, entire pitching staff, I mean, it's it, it was a lot. This was a high-stress series, a lot of guys coming in. And you're going to see the lackey face in game one. It's going to happen. It's very, very likely. No, I, it's going to be interesting moving forward to see. I, I do want to ask you guys, you know, Dusty, I mean... Again, this is not on him, but his contract is up. Do if you're the Nats, That's my do, you, point. do you do you say we just want to try something different? Do you say we don't blame you for this? We're bringing you back. What do you do with it? See, and that's my point is is that when I say that when I say that in 2017, major league managers are, be, are can best be just you know your best hope is is that hey they won and the players played well. You just said it with Dusty. Like there were multiple situations I felt like yesterday, and again, every manager makes. I, everyone knows, you listen to the podcast, you know I'm a dusty defender, but every manager makes decisions that if Joe Madden, if the Cubs had lost that game last night, there would be three or four Joe Madden decisions we'd be able to point to and say, I don't know about that one. He won, we just move on. With Dusty in that game, the players were put in positions, you you got to kind of count on Jason Wirth to catch a ball. You've got to, right. you know, you got you put your, you get your pinch hitter with a tune advantage in the situation you want. And you got to hope that he doesn't, you know, basically kill yeah. the inning. You, I, bet, I bet Howie Kendrick catches that ball. And, yeah. But uh, but he did start hitting, by the way, though, which was the other uh, discussion. He did, but not when it mattered. Not but, at the end. But um, but so I do. I'm I, not a Jason Worth guy. Enjoy, <laughs> enjoy riding your uh, uh, tricked-out rig truck into the, at 200 miles an hour into the sunset, Jason. But um, but I do think I mean so I, much shade. I, to it me is. to me you to me you you do bring them back because again I do look at this and say this team compared to what they've had in the past again it's you I do not want to try to blow it up if I'm the, the time the there is a ticking clock going on here and I unless I can find someone. Yep. Who is magical? Unless and, Bryce Harper tells you don't re, don't bring him back, I bring him back. I mean, like ultimately, that's really what it's all about. And I it's, agree. It's five of the last six years he's that he's been a manager. His team has won ninety or more games. I mean, I'm not sure. You know, in all those again, years they made year, the playoffs. Next year is the yeah. It's not the complete expiration date, but 2018. You, you 2019 is a lot cloudier than 2018. If you even bring him back on a one-year deal and say, right. look, Dusty, understand, we may be changing everything the, here in 2019. The, the fact that they didn't roll him over, because right. they see that too, the fact they hadn't already rolled him over and given him 2019 probably means that he is gone. He's also 68 years old, so 
Uh, I think baseball's more fun when Johnny B. Baker's around. Uh, I love the toothpick. Uh, I love the sweat the sweatbands. Um, you know, uh, he definitely didn't help himself with the way he handled the whole Strasburg sickness thing, all that kind of stuff. Um, he did not uh, make that easier for the franchise, but just really, uh, it's got to be depressing. Uh, I can't think of a more depressing, um, you know, really depressing situation for the Nationals. I can't think of one. So now we have Cubs, uh, Cubs Dodgers redux from last year. How about the Cubs uh, three straight uh, league championship series? First time in their history they've done that. The Dodgers feel like they are a team like if if not now win for the Dodgers when the when the when you're getting lackey face in game one. I mean, uh, you're getting a, a, a relatively gassed. I mean, like you're not just getting lackey face, but you're also saying like, okay, that as you just mentioned that that Cubs pen. How much does it have in it right well, now? And by the way, to me, it's a flip from last year when the Dodgers had to pull out all, all the stops, the stops yes. to beat the Nats in that first round. The Cubs 3-1 over the Giants, fairly straightforward. And by the time the Dodgers got there, you know, it was Clayton Kershaw, Rich Hill, and you know, they basically had one and a half starting pitchers and, you know, Kenley Jansen. Everything else was just, they were, in some ways. And you could have counted Kenley as a starter because it, he was going to pitch starters. In some ways, it was amazing they went up 2-1 to begin with. I mean, they were so gassed. So I kind of see that as a reverse Look, this is this is as good of a chance the Dodgers have. They made you know the the championship series in 2013 against the Cardinals. They uh, they right. were back in it last year against the Cubs. This is a better chance than all of them. That's a better team. It's a better Dodgers it's a be- team. It's a better team. It's a you know I, I say a weaker opponent in the sense that they're so gassed, they're right. so worn out. You home field advantage. You've been resting for three days while they're coming back on a cross country trip on a one day break. I yeah. Mean, Everything is in line for the Dodgers, not just to win, to pull out a, a, a sweep, a 4-1 type series. I mean, I think for them, this really is a, this is your moment, take it, and if you don't, that's on you. It's quite advantageous for them. Uh, Astros and Yankees uh, did not realize that the Yankees actually had a better run differential in the regular season than the Astros. Plus 198 to plus 196. That, I mean, it's basically a, a, it's a virtual tie, but it was, it just tells you, that in terms they of could. what they did they in the regular could. season, but in terms of what they did in the regular season, uh, the Yankees are st- stand fair, fairly toe to toe with Houston in some ways, um, and they just won a series against the Indians, where their best player was horrendous. Uh, Kyle, you didn't get to really comment on that yesterday, but I don't know what your kind of outlook is on on Yankees uh, Astros as we go forward. I actually did. I think it was I. We were. Uh, I think JJ was the one who came in late. Uh, okay, I, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're confu- uh, I got, I got confused. Us. I'm addled with the ti- with the with the no uh, how tired things are. Like I said yesterday, I've kind of been doubting the Astros all year, and at a certain point, I need to just say, you know what? Give them credit and and give them the benefit of the doubt and pick them. I feel like now that I've done that, the Yankees are going to go win. But you did say that yesterday. Now but, I'm remembering. But yeah. I, I mean, I, I at this point, I I. I feel like I can't really doubt the Astros much longer. I, I have to say, I mean, I picked Cubs-Astros before the season started. I picked Cubs-Astros when the playoffs started. I am more worried about one half of that now because from the standpoint of just looking at it, I completely agree with you guys. We have a Dodgers team that is completely rested, that is completely set up perfectly for this, and we have a Cubs team that literally left it all in D.C. and now has to say, okay, can we pull this back together? And... I do, I mean, that, that's what I love, though. I love the fact that if you win your division, your LDS, easily, yeah, it gives you a massive advantage because, and again, rain did not help from that standpoint, you know, for the Cubs, but there's not a lot of time to take your, you know, to catch your breath 
and say, okay, how are we going to line this up? Because you did really throw everything at that series. Right. And the Dodgers were sitting there going. But if you have to go with a fifth starter, they have John one. Lackey, at the very least, is they, experienced. He's, he was good down the stretch. You could do worse than oh, John Lackey. They're, they're, one of the worse. Few, they're one of the few teams where you do this and you say, we talked about it when the LDS started and we're talking about, no, the Cubs really have five guys, and the fifth guy you would be as comfortable going out there on the mound as almost the third guy. And the thing is, like, the second guy, that'll be a question. Are they going to go John Lester on shorter rest? They're going to go Jake Arrieta? How do they go? Which, which right. of those guys, if they do that, do they – maybe they piggyback. Maybe you go uh, try to go Lackey and Arietta in game one with Lester in game two, some, some kind of permutation there. I'm not sure how they're going to do that. Seven-game series, to me, like, I'm, I'm going to try. If I'm them, I'm going to try to get it back lined up to normal, like, is what I'm going to do. Like, See, the reason I'm I, – I would, I would normally I would say yes, but their bullpen is a hot mess, and maybe one of those starters needs to buttress your bullpen – because you're basically, from. you're treating it as, you're saying not just for that, but really you're looking at it as if someone is going to be that that floating. I'm saying someone needs one of those, if you're going to have, it's not like you're going to leave Hendricks, Arietta, Lester, or Quintana out of your rotation. So if you start Lackey game one, um, who's going into the bullpen for those, who's going to be available in those first couple of games? Because I think presumably what you'd like to do is, Lackey starts game one, you get back on schedule, and then Lackey, like, around game three or four, is available in the bullpen the rest of the series. But he's also, he's 38. If anyone's routine-oriented, it's probably him. I wouldn't want to so be the one to take the ball from him on the, when he comes out of the bullpen. <laughs> Lackey's I'm face gonna, makes me laugh so hard. I'm going to poke John off a stick now. So basically, John's turned into Brian Kenny in that the idea is, is use Lester as your starter and then one, use one of these relievers. Oh, Lackey, you, I mean, Lackey. But use Lackey as this starter, which doesn't mean that he's going to throw more innings than... I think it's unrealistic to expect him to throw more than five innings in a game. Right. And for, for you're also saying the idea is, is, since he's older and all and routine-based, let him be the starter, but then use one of these other, other well, five starters you, as kind of this floating... Bullpen savior because they need a guy who's going to give you significant right. innings. Out. That has nothing to do with Brian Kenny. It has to do with their bullpen's not good enough. Right. Well, honestly, I think it's you know even last night you know when people asked Madden who you starting, it was a non-committal. We need to see how everyone feels because I, right. I think that right now I was trying to say, oh, here's what the plan should be. Here's what the plan should be. But a oh, lot yeah. of this is going to be uh, you have to kind of adapt to the situation on the ground because some of these guys are probably nursing various forms of dead arm, you know, soreness. Fatigue somewhere. I mean, we saw, you know, Pedro Stroke, Mike Montgomery, Carl Edwards Jr. all give up runs last night. <laughs> Wade Davis even gave up a run. But, I mean, this this is... A, Pedro Strope. I mean, this is... A, this That's is, their best guy. This is a group that look, every, everyone can see is tired. And I, and I so I think trying to say, here's what they should do game one, here's what they should do game two, here's what they probably should do game three and four. At this point, it's it's got to be a little bit of a adapt on the ground and just... See how the guy feels. And that's what I'm saying. Like, if you leave Carl, Carl Edwards Jr. was their best setup man all year, with good reason. He's a three pitch guy. Main reason he's a relief pitcher. He's just so slender. You know, you wonder if he could hold up over a course of a season and and start as a starting pitcher. He's been very effective as a relief guy, but he was uh, terrible in that series. So, but you have to carry him. I mean, they, so that's what I'm saying. Their bullpen needs help. I also Jason Stark, uh, of course, friend of the uh, Baseball America and uh, 
former ESPN uh, writer, former columnist here. Mm. He just tweeted that uh, Elias Sports reports the last catcher before Weeders to mention your inning with two errors and a pass ball in the same inning happened in the 1903 World Series. Lou Krieger in the first postseason inning ever, which of course Keith Elberman will add him and say, no, the players, the 1884 series or whatever. Oh, right. but There's also first modern World Series, 1903, if we can call that modern. That's the last time a, def- a catcher had as bad of an inning as uh, Matt Weeders, so very perceptive on your part. Matt Weeders himself said, the worst defensive game of my career. And I don't think when he says career, I don't think he just means major league career. I think he means... Georgia Tech. Yeah, I think he means going back to when I was eight years old and, you know, my first game behind the plate or whatever. And look, and, and to be honest, I, res- I, res- I, I respect him a lot for owning up to it rather than saying, oh, you know, no excuses. He didn't do what he was supposed to do. And you know what? Give him props for owning up to it. Yeah, he had a bad, uh, he had a bad run there. Uh, not, uh, not for, it was actually Stratford High in Goose Creek, South Carolina. My apologies. To Stratford High, but uh, JJ, I, I meant to, I, I asked the question to Kyle. I should have asked you, uh, so we wrap this up. I mean, Astros, Yankees, uh, you know, like you said, you're still picking Astros and Cubs. Do you feel like in, in a World Series, uh, do you feel like the Astros' extra rest gives them an advantage over the Yankees um, in any way, or do you feel like uh, less that's because, almost overreaction? Less because there's been a little bit in that one. There's you know, it's a minor reset, but there's this little bit of a reset, you know, for the Yankees and. I feel like as although they did throw everything as well, it was a little their bullpen. I feel more confident. I feel much more confident than I do the Cubs. A gas Cubs bullpen, where Wade Davis was already being asked to go two and a third, yeah. concerns me more than a a little less gas because they have more got they have more arms to throw at it. Right. But a little less gas Yankees bullpen and a Yankees bullpen that to be honest, I mean that. I'm going to be interested. We've talked about it before in the podcast. I'm going to be interested to see their playoff roster for this series yeah. because is Dylan Batances going to be on it? And if he's not, okay, well, again, they have some options. There's not going to be a guy who's got the filth of Dylan Batances, but they have guys that they can put out there who also at the same time, you don't have to have another guy up throwing the immediate, like Dylan's coming into the game. Up in the pen are these right. two guys because right. you don't know. You might know in six pitches. Oh, crap, get him out of there. No, I mean fil- fil- filthy stuff. If it's not over the plate, doesn't matter. Uh, you know, was it ni- 90, 92 on the corner is a better pitch than ninety nine. You know, four feet outside. It's about yeah. you've got to throw a strike. I tell you what's really weird is uh, just looking at the four teams that are left and the four biggest markets. Maybe we'll wrap up on this. Is I'm just trying to like imagine World Series scenarios, and it's just amazing to me how uh, you know the Astros' main DH is Carlos Beltran, right? I mean, the Yankees' DHs have been Matt Holliday against left-handed pitchers and then Chase Headley and Jacoby Ellsbury against right-handed pitchers. Meanwhile, like, both the Cubs and the Dodgers have, like, multiple options. Kyle, like, the Cubs, the are, Cubs are like, Kyle Schwarber at DH. I mean, like, it almost, it's, it's so weird to think that the National League teams would have the advantage at DH in any of these scenarios going forward. I mean, they have younger, better players... To who are also better suited for just hitting. You know, it'd be interesting to it's see just if, really weird. If, if the Dodgers get to it, being able to throw Adrian Gonzalez in as your designated hitter. That's uh, it. You think that's a possibility? He's not. He's. I don't even. I don't know if he's playing anymore. I think. I he's, mean, he's, he he is kind of the. El Titan is, I think, is. Uh, but I think it'd be it'd be interesting, especially depending on the matchup. But 
you know, that to me is a very enticing, you know, DH option pending pending everyone's health and how the matchups work. But you're right. There's... I have a lot better options than, than LT Ton for me. I mean, you could you, honestly, you could DH Chase Utley uh, and play someone better defensively. It's like maybe someone younger, sprightlier, if you wanted to. Um, those are they, they have a lot of possibilities with a lineup that flexible. Um, but I'm just I, I do think I, uh, I feel terrible for my brother and the Nationals fans and their agony. But we have the defending World Series champion. We have four giant markets, four very compelling teams. If the first round wasn't enough for you, first of all, like, wow. First round of the postseason was amazing. And uh, second of all, just wait, I think, until the LCS. I think we're going to have some really good LCSs. Uh, anything else uh, from you guys? I, again, as I, the last thing I'll leave with is, is that we've just finished the division series. <laughs> yeah. And we talk about, I mean, how hard it is to win a World Series. I think everyone watching these feels it because it is. It is just like, wow, everything's do or die. And it's like, oh, we've still got... The majority of this is still to come. Teams yeah. still have to win eight more games to win a World Series. Yeah. Yeah, it's a grind. Uh, you can understand why the hockey people grow the playoff beards. Because it's just... It's, it's going to be a long rest of the month of October. But hopefully a glorious uh, rest of the month of October. Enjoy the podcast. I uh, hope you guys uh, turn, turn down the sound when you hear me yelling. Um, and we want to thank you all for tuning in today. Don't forget that all of our podcasts and Facebook Lives are sponsored by Baseballism. Don't forget to shop now at Baseballism.com and enter the offer code BASHIP to receive free shipping on your order. Visit Baseballism.com to shop for, shop for hats, shirts, and much more today. For JJ and Kyle, I'm John. We'll see you on the Flippity Flop on the next Baseball America podcast. So long, everybody. This concludes our program. Want more in-depth baseball coverage? Be a better fan. Visit BaseballAmerica.com to get more comprehensive baseball coverage. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.